For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Joyce. So, um, one thing I enjoy about College Sunday each year is that as I plan and I think about, well, what what am I going to say this year? Um, it forces me to reflect on the members of ICF and, you know, what they've been doing this year. And each year I'm, you know, just reminded how blessed we are as a Crossbridge congregation uh, to have these students uh, as part of our church. Uh, a couple of weeks ago after we came back from ICF retreat, they had a chance to uh, spend some additional time with the speaker uh, and his wife as they weren't leaving until uh, the next day. And so when they were getting ready to leave for the airport on the next morning and we were saying our goodbyes, they commented to me, they're like, you know, you really have a, a special group of students here. And I'm like, yes, I know. And then, you know, but then it kind of hit me that I think that every year, and, and not just about our ICF fellowship, but our, you know, all the fellowships I'm responsible for, you know, Karis as well. And I think God has really blessed our Crossbridge by bringing these numbers to our congregation. And for this year, ICF, our leadership team has uh, set some foci we want to be concentrating on for the current year. And one of the foci uh, we have for this year is cultivating a Christ-centered community. You know, we're still learning what it means to be the body of Christ and how we are to live that out. Um, But we strive to continue to grow in this area. During the brief time I have to speak, uh, I'd like to use my time to just quickly share two brief principles from our scripture passage that struck me uh, regarding community. And in between, we're going to hear from um, two ICFers who are going to share uh, some of uh, their testimony. So from Romans 12, the first principle I want to share uh, that I see coming out from this passage is our faith is to be lived out in community. Our faith is to be lived out in community. For those of you who have been Christians for a while, you're probably very familiar with Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I know many of you are probably even memorized it, you know, uh, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and, you know, and so on. You know, these are great verses, but then we stop at verse 2, and if I ask you, well, what comes in verse 3, you'd be like, hmm, I don't know, I'm not sure. 
But we shouldn't stop there because there's an important connection that Paul wants to make between verses 1 and 2 and what comes afterwards. The Apostle Paul, in writing Romans, he just finished 11 chapters of great theology teaching about you know, important doctrines of, of regarding what God has done for us through Jesus. And then in chapter 12, he begins instructing his readers, therefore, or in other words, in view of what I just wrote in these last 11 chapters, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And maybe Paul foresees that, you know, one could read the first two verses and think, you know, this could be lived, lived out, you know, very individualistically or in isolation. You know, I can offer my body as a living sacrifice on my own. You know, I can, you know, try to transform my mind on my own. So Paul uses the next verses to remind people that we are all part of the body. And as he writes in verse 5, that each member belongs to all the others. You know, yes, when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, he or she automatically becomes a member of the church universal. But Paul is instructing his readers that in addition to being part of the universal church, one must be a member of a local church. Paul would even question, I think, whether an able-bodied believer could consider himself a member of the universal church if he or she is not a member of the local body of believers. As one commentator put it, God designed it such that I cannot live the life of a disciple of Christ apart from the nurturing context of a community of believers who encourage me and pray for me and set an example for me. I cannot discern blind spots in my obedience to Christ without other believers being able to point them out to me. To think that we could do this on our own is what Paul would warn us of in in verse 3, and that is to think of more highly of ourselves than we ought to. So this implies that we you know, can't just be Christians who come to church on Sundays, but I think it also implies that we must be in smaller communities like ICF, like home groups. If you're not part of one, I would strongly encourage you to, to get connected to a home group or fellowship because these are actually more the deeper communities that Paul is talking about and exhorting his readers that they need to be part of. So we must come together in community. And what is this community to be like, though? And so I'm going to ask Arisa, one of our ICFers, to come up and share a little bit about what she has experienced in community in ICF. So Arisa, come up. Good morning, everyone. It's an honor to speak to you all today. My name is Arissa Yamamoto, and I am currently a junior at Gordon College. And I'll be speaking a little bit about what God has been teaching me during my time here at ICF. February 24th marked the one-year anniversary that God has brought me to the ICF community. Though it has only been about a year since I've been here, I have seen God move in miraculous ways, beyond even what I can even imagine. The growth that I have seen within this community and within myself is just an incredible gift that I and many others here at ICF has just been able to be a witness of. Before coming to ICF, I actually went to this small semi-charismatic church near my school. And during my time there, I loved and appreciated every single moment that I was there. During my time there, I was able to learn a lot about the importance of fasting, prayer, and worship. 
And to me, coming from a non-Christian family, it just felt really nice to be part of a community who were all really outwardly passionate about Christ. Though I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, I knew within my heart that I was missing a huge part of my spiritual life. I knew deep within my heart that there was a huge, that I knew, sorry, (laughs) I knew deep within my heart that I wasn't spiritually being fed through the word. Though I was being taught about how to live my life as a Christian, I knew that, uh, especially as being a new Christian, I needed to find a church that could feed me that kind of foundation, which is why I decided to leave, and after several months of searching for a new church, God has finally brought me to ICF. ICF has provided me a place where I was not only able to learn a lot about scripture, but also understand that God is fully capable of creating a strong community filled with people who are of completely different backgrounds, personalities, and beliefs. In our first Bible study of the school year, we studied Acts 2, 42-47. And in this passage, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostle teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. At first, when we studied this passage, it struck much disagreement and disbelief in the possibility of having such a perfect community. It seems almost unnatural and therefore incomprehensible to have a community such as the one pictured in Acts. However, as I have seen ICF grown, I have seen more and more evidence in the possibility of this community being present here today. During my time here, I have seen members in ICF work together to pay for an Uber to ensure that this individual can make it home safely. I've seen people take the time out of their busy schedule to go all the way into Boston to resolve an issue and to reassure an individual is loved. I've seen people make time in their busy day to come together to pray for each other and to comfort and encourage one another during times of stress and anxiety. Even with me, just last week, my roommate and I got stranded in the middle of a parking lot in the middle of the night. And people from Karis, which is our corresponding fellowship, made an effort to make sure we got back home safely and even offered to drive us to church the next morning. Through all these acts of kindness that I have seen and received, not only do I see ICF as a strong and faithful community, but also as a community that is bigger, that is part of a bigger, stronger, and more faithful community called Crossbridge. As I look at my brothers and sisters, I can't help but be so encouraged and blessed to have been brought here just a year ago. God has truly blessed me with an incredible community, and I'm just grateful for everything that he has given me. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to my journey here at Crossbridge. God bless you. Thanks, Arissa. So as ICF tries to live out, you know, this X2 community that Arissa shared about, a second principle that I see relating to this coming from our text and what you kind of touched upon is um, we must celebrate our diversity while relentlessly pursuing unity. You know, as Paul highlights in verses 4 to 6, that we are one body, but with different members, we have different functions. We have been given different gifts, which God has 
specifically given us to build up the body of Christ. If you came to you know, ICF one Friday night to, to visit, you, you would see uh, the diversity. So we are still mostly Chinese. We do have people uh, like a risk of, of different ethnicities. We have people uh, from different cultural backgrounds, people who come from places like California and Texas. Not to say that these cultures are bad, but they are different. Um, we have people with diverse personalities and, and different experiences. And as Paul states, people who are different parts of the body. And if you came, you would meet several hands and arms that would give you a friendly handshake, a high five, you know, or a warm embrace. You would meet some knees who really uphold the priority of prayer for our fellowship. You would find some hearts that could reach out to you with compassion and care. And these are all the diverse members you know, that we have in this fellowship. None of these are me. I, I think my function is probably, I'm seriously, it's not me. My function is probably more like the kidney or something like that. But, you know, we all do play a role. We're all one part. You know, we all have a different function of the body, and we're all supposed to fit together to form one body. When God has added a member to ICF, he has done so for certain reasons. Maybe this person has a you know, particular gift or a body function that our fellowship is lacking. You know, maybe we as a fellowship are to help this person learn what it means to be part of the body of Christ and how God has designed him or her uh, to, you know, to play a role in that body. When a person whom God has brought to be part of ICF doesn't attend, doesn't, you know, has stopped coming regularly, we know that not only does the individual suffer uh, from not being able to participate in the life of the body, but we realize too that the fellowship also suffers because this person is not carrying out the function that God intended for him or her to play in the body. So we celebrate and recognize the importance of diversity while you know, fully embracing and, and pursuing unity. And why does Paul state we should have such unity? Because of the work of Christ in our lives. Notice the repeated phrases in verses 3 and 6 of our passage. Verse 3, Paul starts off, for, the, for by the grace God has given me, grace, what grace is he referring to? The grace that God has given him in calling him to be an apostle of Jesus. And then in verse 6, he tells his readers that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Then at the end of verse 3, he tells the Romans to, uh, not think, to think of themselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And then in verse 6, he tells the people with the gift of prophesying to use it in proportion to the faith that has been given to them. Why does he emphasize these things? You know, the grace given to us, the faith that, is be given, that has been given to us. Because Paul wants people to understand that whatever grace we have received, it is really due to just God's design and God's you know, mercy upon us. And whatever faith we have received, it's also a gift from God. And it's all because of Jesus, you know, who died on the cross, that we might receive salvation and be reconciled back to God. No matter whether one might consider himself or herself more gifted than another person, no matter whether one person may think of himself more important and, and serves a more important function in the body than another, you know, Paul is sharing that 
when we all come before the foot of the cross, we're all equal. You know, there's no one higher or lower. We are all in need of grace and need the faith that God has given to us, you know, because of the work of Jesus. When we live out this body life as we're supposed to, it exemplifies Christ's requirements for his community. And this is what will attract the outside world. And, and so now I want to invite Edward to come up and kind of share his testimony. So Edward, would you come up and share? Hello, I'm Edward Leung. Uh, I'm a junior at UMass Boston. And I'm going to give a little backstory before I started coming to church. So in high school, um, I suffered from a lot of things like depression. I was bullied, um, you know, self-esteem issues, self-image issues, and I like family problems. Um, so I still look forward to going to school because I had a community of friends there, you know, in high school. Um, but after I graduated from high school, we all split ways, so that was a big problem. I went to UMass Boston in 2012, um, but since they all split ways, you know, I was socially awkward back then. I didn't know how to make friends or, like, just the change in environment is really hard on me. Um, so I took five classes the first semester. Um, I passed four, but I failed one, and that kind of led me into, like, a major depression because I never failed a class before. Um, so I took four classes the next semester, and it was rough. I withdrew from two, and I passed the other two. Like, over that time, I, like, I had no, like, safe environment, comfort zone, except, like, besides being at home. Um, so I just stayed at home, you know, played video games, because that was the only way to still connect with friends. Um, so that cycle, like, come into summer, you know, my friends would come back from uh, their separate colleges, and then we all mingle together. But, you know, those still surface-level relationships. Um, and then... From that, that cycle will repeat, rinse and repeat until, you'll get better each year, but rinse and repeat until like last spring when I started coming to um, church with my mom, because she urged me to in April. Um, so then I found the ICF community. I really liked it because it was like, they're loving and uh, kind. Um, unlike like a lot of, you know, people out in the world. Um, so come, say, fall semester, I was invited to join the discipleship group, and it was with Pastor Tim, he invited me. And then I wasn't really sure at the time, like, what to think of it, because I thought it would be just, like, Bible study and all whatnot. But it really helped me, like, blossom, like a flower blossoming. It helped me grow as a person. Because just having, like, um, people you can, like, trust and who will keep, you know, you know confidentiality and all that. Um, so that really helped me grow as a person. Um, and then come, come January, I went to a mission trip. And then that really, like, because at the time, I wasn't living a godly life at all. I didn't know. I knew who God was, but I didn't know who Jesus was or the Holy Spirit. Um, so, you know, I was being selfish and considerate towards people, acting out against people. And then my friend uh, had to talk with me about contentment. And um, at the time, yeah, I told him I was content. Well, the reasons for that was my identity was in my looks, my relationship with two people, and a relationship with a girl. So at the time, yeah, I, it was. I was content. But come back from the, the mission trip, um, you know, I, I led into a breakup, so that kind of caused me a lot of emotion turmoil. You know, I had thoughts of inadequacy, like, what could I do to amend the relationship, what went wrong? Um, so my friends would reach out to me because I told them what happened, and at the time, I told them, no, um, I don't need any help, because I, I wanted to see if I can process and handle all these emotions by myself, but it was too much to bear. So um, for three days, I prayed and cried out to God, and on the third day, he answered my prayer. So I went to this Harvard conversation study, um, and I met this woman um, who was a Christian, too, so that was by God's fate. Um, 
So after we finished the study, I asked her if she wanted to have a talk about Christianity afterwards. And she was like, yeah, sure. So once we get out, um, finish the study, she was like, get, so I was excited. She's like, oh, uh, so you're new to the faith. Uh, you need a mentor. Um, you need to hang out Christians who are stronger in the faith. She was just blabbing off and all that. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. I wanted, there's a specific question I wanted to ask, like, why do you believe in Jesus? And she tells me through, because of life circumstances and trials. So I'm like, okay. Um, then I explained to her, um, I don't understand um, the Trinity, because I understand what God has done for me, all the growth he's given me, but I don't understand our Jesus part in the Holy Spirit. Then she makes this comparison of how it's like water, steam, and ice, and how those are all interchangeable. So I'm like, okay. And then she mentions how Jesus was God in the flesh, and how... Their eyewitness testimonies of how Jesus was on this earth and how it matches up with all of history. So after that, we part ways because she has to leave. I go back home and I start um, listening to my worship playlist on the train. And the this, this worship songs, like with the Jesus part, start clicking for some reason. So I found that a little bit weird. Um, so once I get home, I go into the book of John and I read a little bit for the first chapter. And I come across the um, verse where it says, The Word was the flesh and dwelled among us. So that connect back to what I heard before. Um, I remember exactly what happened after that, but I remember after I went, I laid sideways on my bed, and then the spot just crossed my mind. I know Jesus now. And that just hit me with pure joy for 30 minutes. I had a smile from left to right, just ear to ear. No joke. And, uh, yeah. But before this, at the time, I was still feeling down about the relationship, right? So my mind was cleared, and the heaviness and like uneasiness in my heart, it was gone. I was like, this is insane. Um, so I was still doubtful as in like, um, I feel this way now, but how will I feel next morning, right? Um, so I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like, wow, I still feel in this like excited state, good mood. Um, so I, the night before, I, had, I also had another thought like, oh, if Jesus can do this for me, I'm going to know more about him. So I started reading about the book of John and all like, so I read about um, how, he turns wa- how Jesus turns water to wine, how he... Uh, Heals the official son, how he heals the cripple. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It's like he healed me. Um, no joke. Um, but then I read the part where, uh, let's see. There's something about, um, Jesus says, like, you cannot come to me unless the Father leaves um, him to. And then I'm like, holy cow, that's crazy, because that's, like, exactly what happened. Um, so after that, like, I, because sh- this happened, like, the day after, I think I shared with my friend in the discipleship group, and then he tells me exactly what he was praying for me. Um, he said he fasted for like a week and a half, and that he prayed for me to know Jesus and to read the book of John myself. And I was just like, he got emotion, I got emotion. I was just like, wow, that's crazy. So, but then the week after, I met up with friends to reconcile a relationship, and he was um he was hurt because uh, like he had a breakup too, but it was like uh, a lot harder on him. Um, so I meet up to reconcile that. And then he said, I recall a point from the last conversation where he says, like, oh, friend A doesn't like you anymore. I'm like, so I recall that point. And then he mentions, now, friend B doesn't like you anymore. And then he's like, oh, how you dealt, mediate the conversation with uh, me and my ex last time. I'm done with you, too. But the strange thing was, like, when he mentioned it la- the previous time, it h- did hurt me. But the, the time that he mentioned it now, it didn't phase me at all for some reason. So I was so confused. So I even went as far to say, so you all, so you all have forsaken me. And he's like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. So that was, that was really strange. So he walks out, you know, I say goodbye, I shake his hand. So I'm like reflecting, like, what's going on here? Why do I not feel hurt? Right? Um, and now I realize, you know, 
My self-righteousness and my drunkenness has really like, damaged my relationships with my non-Christian friends. But I also realized like, my friend has no peace because his, circum- his reactions and emotions are tied to his circumstances. That's how he's like, lashing out at me and acting that way and even saying that stuff. But me, my identity is tied in Christ. That's why I have peace and contentment. Um, so, you know, all this change is still happening. But, um, so I'm still reading the book of John. Um, but then I start interacting with my classmates. I know it's a like, weird change. Um, you know, I, I'm going out of my way to help them my, than I more usually would do. So that, I found that really strange. Just my, like, I couldn't control my, my actions, you know. Like, I'm, it's, dude, my body's acting. I'm, just, I'm speaking all that. But consciously, I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? So then I have, I have questions, right? So I start searching Google um, and searching for answers. <laughs> um, so I search exactly what happened. I figure out what happened. Um, so, like, the renew my mind from reading the word results in a conviction in my heart that translates into my speech, kind of, and my outward behavior, like, um, and my actions to changing. So then, then I recall a point where um, I was reading the book of John, and where it says, like, Jesus was, like, washing his disciples' feet. So I, I didn't know exactly what that meant, so I asked Pastor Tim what that meant, and then he explained to me, it means, like, serve others. And then that, like, it was such a strong conviction. I don't know at the time, but it was so strong. But at the time, I had no way to, like, put it in practice or, like, act it out. So I was confused. But then, you know, going to class and then just interacting with my classmates, I realized that was one of the causes. Um, so, uh, okay. So um, another thing I noticed after this, I was saved and this transformation happened was um, it was like a reorientation of my desires. Um, so, like, I used to, you know, masturbate with pornography, you know, drink a lot, um, uh, had a lot of self-centered thoughts and, like, um, actions, I guess. Um, but, like, all that was just, like, killed off, like, because I was born again. It was, like, a new self, you know? Um, so I didn't, like, and, like, I didn't have those desires anymore because I know there's something greater out there and, you know, there's a heavenly kingdom and all that. Um, but the main thing I wanted to say was, um, so now I know that you need to have faith in Jesus Christ for you to be able to even get to God in his internal kingdom. Um, and that's not, that's by God's grace. It's not by like your work, um, your good deeds, being a good person. It's all from like true faith. True faith. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ. It can't be some like fleeting faith and all that. It can't be like flip, flop, flop. Okay? So you have to have true faith in them if you want to get to the kingdom. So, you know, so we see, I, you know, God just uses different members of the body to, to accomplish his work. And I mean, not just people from, you know, our local community, but as, as Edward mentioned in his testimony, like the woman that he met at Harvard, you know, all these people God uses to come together to accomplish his purposes. And we all play a vital role in that body as we submit to Christ's leadership. And when we remember that you know, in many cases, people's eternity is at stake. You know, we grasp the importance of needing to live out this body life. And as I mentioned in ICF, we're not there yet. You know, we're, we're, we still have a long ways to go. We're still learning as a fellowship what this all means. But we do experience God's blessings when we do function as his body and we fulfill the roles that he's given us. You know, there are still other questions we can all ponder, such as how... 
a fellowship like ICF can fulfill its function better as part of the larger congregation of Crossbridge and as the local church, you know, CBCGB, but, you know, we'll save those issues uh, for another day. Uh, for now, I just want you to be uh, encouraged to think about your own fellowship or home group and consider the ways that you can live out being the body of Christ and what roles and gifts God has given you to live out in this body. And if you're not part of a fellowship, once again, I would encourage you to speak to me or Pastor Tim to get plugged into one, because this is, you know, the way God designed us to be living in context of a close community. And how we exemplify the body as a local church is a witness to the outside world. So I pray that people would see a community so unlike any others in their circles that they would be drawn to us and ultimately drawn to Christ as they see Christ being lived out in our local communities. Let's pray.